goodest of good days, cats and kittens, and an even warmer, altogether more moist, cloying and gratitude-laden welcome than is usual to Discontent Provider, the podcast that does what it can to reassure you that it's absolutely not you, but it is most definitely them. The worthless, shit-sucking shower of painfully chafing, bare-faced, bare-backed and barely consensual fuckery that they most assuredly are. Before Arkham and I plunge into the usual trenchant doings, let's, let's address the elephant by the babbling brook. Yes, we missed an episode last week. Unfortunately, technical, uh, technical difficulties and a tiny tragic death in the family conspired with diabolical efficiency to keep us all apart. Nevertheless, we have found one another again. And maybe we're, we're all a little more appreciative of the other for the, for the, for the time apart. I like to think so, if only because if absence doesn't make the heart grow fonder, then I'll have to seriously re-evaluate my bird, hand and bush-based system of exchange. Of course, in the big leagues of podcastery, when problems arise, it's customary to have some pre-recorded eps to drop as a fill-in measure, but uh, that's terribly difficult to do with a show that purports to be at the raw bleeding edge of topicality. I suppose we could knock a couple of pieces together that make some general points, uh, but it might get a might say me though. Ten minutes of me screaming, they're all fuck stumps, because you know that would work for any week, uh, followed by a song called, they're all fuck stumps, because you know that would work for any week. Maybe, uh, maybe we could do a bright chatty discourse on the early days of the Byzantine Empire and draw some clever parallels with uh, the modern day supermarket loyalty schemes. Or perhaps a monograph on um, how Eldred the Castrian from Doctor Who and the Han represented a landmark revolutionary moment in the uh, struggle of the LBGTQ plus movement. Ah, we'll see when next time uh, it happens, I suppose. Uh, uh, we'll hang ourselves from that bridge when we come to it, as I've been wont to observe for low these many years. For now, though, we're back in our lovely happy place and ready for another stab at holding the zeitgeist by its ankles and shaking the damned thing to see what cascades from its nasty little pockets is. What caught the bloodshot and glaucoma-swollen eye of old Foxy this week was the resurgence of a story that we covered a while back, um, way back as it goes. Uh, it featured in the proto-run of Discontent Provider, which I believe still exists on SoundCloud if you want to check it out and aren't too fussy about audio quality. Uh, I refer to the, the nastiness, racism and toxic fuckstumpery that uh, was said to pass for camaraderie and boyish hijinks in the uh, Yorkshire County cricket team. Well, following hot on the heels of that disclosure, some two years later, the Independent Commission for Equity in Cricket have published a 317-page report that makes for pretty grim reading for anyone who feels that the summer game is nothing but a simply smashing lark wherein everything is as pristine and wholesome as the spotless v-neck jumpers that its players, for reasons that I've never fully understood, choose to wear during the hottest months of the year. What, why do they wear hottest jumpers during the hottest month of the year? I, I have no idea. Uh, but that cat who described them as flannel fools, Rupert Brooks, was it? Uh, he wasn't pissing into the poetical wind, I'll say that for him. Uh, but I stray, and not for the first time, from the point. In fact, I have actually been a little glib from the get-go. Uh, the commission study has undoubtedly taken a long while to complete. I believe it was... Uh, 
set up in uh, January of 2022. Uh, but given its thoroughness, uh, that's hardly surprising. According to the ICEC, their panel, comprised of people with experience in cricket, organisational transformation and equality-related issues, uh, took testimony for over 4,000 people involved in the sport, ranging from players and administrators to ancillary staff and fans. It's fair to say, then, that this was no hastily slapped-together hatchet job and does seem, on the face of it, to highlight a number of problematic aspects connected to the world of willow wands and crimson ramblers. It's, you know, it's no coincidence that I alluded to the garb of cricketers, incidentally, uh, because Discontent Provider also isn't a hastily slapped-together job, although it is sometimes a bit hatchety, I'll admit, uh, because Cricket in White was foremost amongst those areas identified where there is considerable room for improvement. By which I mean, of course, um, you know, a bit of wordplay. Cricket white, the clothes that they wear, and uh, cricket white, I mean, white people playing cricket. Uh, that's great stuff. That's, uh, that's delicious wordplay. Very proud of that, even though I shouldn't perhaps say so. Anyway, yes, the lack of diversity was definitely uh, cited as, as an issue. Um, as was uh, a, a culture of sexism wherein women's cricket was treated as a wholly subordinate part of the sport and a general tendency all round at all levels towards elitism and class-based discrimination. The report also noted that uh, there was a pretty toxic culture of drinking involved on many levels of the sport but uh, yeah, I don't really feel competent to litigate that um, because, uh, well, to be Equally frank, I, I I may be an abusive binge drinker, but I'm not a hypocrite, so uh, I'll leave that one alone. Uh, in fact, I don't really intend to uh, litigate or address any of the report's findings per se, save to point out, with a tip of the archaic but still uber-cool tip for thy favour, that the commission was set up in the wake of the Yorkshire scandal by the England and Wales Cricket Board in order to identify problems with a view to taking decisive action to solve them, which I feel they deserve all due credit for. Equally worthy of the sort of uh, politely enthusiastic applause that would greet a stunning drive to the boundary is their response to the findings of the report. The board's chair, Richard Thompson, said, quote, On behalf of the ECB and wider leadership of the game, I apologise unreservedly to anyone who has ever been excluded from cricket or made to feel like they don't belong. Cricket should be a game for everyone. And we know that this has not always been the case. Powerful conclusions within the report also highlight that for too long, women and black people uh, were neglected. We are truly sorry for this. This report makes clear that historic structures and systems have failed to prevent discrimination and highlights the pain and exclusion this has caused. I am determined that this wake-up call for cricket in England and Wales should not be wasted. We will use this moment to demonstrate that it is a game for all and we have a duty to put this right for current and future generations. Unquote. Handsomely said, I'm sure you'll agree. Uh, and while it remains to be seen how sincere their efforts will be and how they will play out, uh, there, there was no evasion of responsibility there, no attempt to minimise the experience of those who participated in the report, and not a hint of any suggestion that any complainant might be some sort of crybaby snowflake gaylord who ought to realise that sooty is a term of endearment. 
In short, Mr T's response was the verbal equivalent of a true Corinthian of the old school, cut off one run shy of a century after an LBW decision. Dignified acceptance and acquiescence, and an equally noble walk back to the PAV without calling the Empire a cunt. Now sadly, the Commissioner's uh, summary of the game's shortcomings was not greeted with this level of good grace in other quarters. Many commentators, particularly, need I even say it, those on the right of the political field. Ah, you know, there's doubtless some technical term for that area of a cricket pitch, but I'm buggered if I know what it is. It's a frightful shame, as it, it, it would have been nice to do another metaphor that might make me sound as though I had a clue about the sport. Uh, never mind, never mind. Uh, they're trying to ruin cricket! Typical woke anti-English lefties and another attack on our proud culture and heritage. Uh, phrases that have cropped up in the last few days. Uh, uh, no matter that the ECB set up the commission due to what appears to have been a genuine um, genuine concern about people being fucked over. Never mind that they graciously accepted the verdict of the commissioners and shiny new red balls to the fact that the board looks set to act upon ICEC's recommendations. All that was glossed over, ignored and subsumed by a furious times-rustling harumph of white victimhood. Yeah, I, I picked that phrase with a certain measure of care, cats and kittens. You see, despite the report dealing with gender and class-based discrimination, almost none of the commentary has. It's all the purest race-baiting dreck, as far as they can see. That's certainly what they focused on. Perhaps you've seen the social media memes demonstrating the lack of white faces among the Pakistan or West Indian test teams. Or the pictures of 100 metre sprinters lined up, accompanied by side-splitting jokes about how diversity only seems to work one way. It absolutely seems that, after long weeks of vilifying Pride Month, the political hacks from the Express, GB News, etc. have all but exhausted their admittedly impressive reserves of homophobia and were aching to get back to the sort of flagrant racism that has made British journalism the envy of the world. You know, one might have expected that the sort of pundits who pride themselves of being men of the people, your Darren Grimeses, your Nigel Farages, and your soon-to-be-deposit-losing Lawrence Foxes, to be all over the exclusion of working-class cricketers by elitist toffs. Yeah, they should hate that sort of thing. Similarly, as champions of female athletes, should their ire not have been rendered white-hot at women's cricket not being given a fair shake? Well, apparently not. It appears that unless there's a trans sportswoman in the mix, the ladies of sport have to fend for themselves as best they can. After the working class. Fuck them. They can make it about race. That's what people like. Now, with my customary candour, I'll admit that I am hard-pressed to give even the smallest sliver of a tin turd about matters athletic. So why have I taken up so much of your precious time this week upon this subject? Well, obviously, it was partly to demonstrate the biased and wholly disingenuous nature of the matter's coverage by some of our leading media mavens, but, uh, but what also piqued my interest was the preoccupation of those covering the matter with British... No! <laughs> oh dear, dear me, no. Forget that sort of wide-ranging cosmopolitanism. No, with English values. These values, these English values, are, were we to accept, the unlikely notion that millions of people in a specific geographical location all feel exactly the same way about any number of things, 
uh, these, these values are generally regarded as being the very finest aspects of a national character. Now, of course, that's another useful fiction, but uh, let, let's pretend it isn't, because that's what they're doing. The best that uh, a national character has to offer. English values, you know the sort of thing. A sense of fair play, sportsmanship, a belief that decency and effort are more important than winning, and a profound reverence for the ideal that everybody involved in an undertaking should be on an equal footing. All that. It struck me, as doubtless it has by now struck you, that while life and experience has taught us all, sadly, that uh, these fine sentiments rarely prevail outside of the yellowed and crumbling pages of ancient boys' own papers from the 1930s, they are, I should say, markedly more conspicuous by their absence in the mindsets of those that most loudly trumpet their importance. Not only that, but these self-same soi-disant guardians and conservators of our national character and its values are actively condemning the governing body of a sport for attempting to, uh, to, uh, to uphold them within their game. Essentially then, this has been a long way of pointing out that an awful lot of political pundits, commentators, talking heads and influences are two-faced, bigoted hypocrites who wouldn't know what a straight bat was if it was being used to knock their fucking teeth out. A course of action I would absolutely not advise, for any number of legal reasons. Maybe some ethical ones, maybe not. Uh, you knew it, of course. I knew it, of course. And on some level, through some form of spiritual or cultural osmosis, even the world's greatest lurcher here knew it. For all that, though, I rather felt that it bore repeating this week, particularly as their innate shittiness could, in this instance, be held up in direct contradistinction to an all-too-rare example of something positive. It's also given me the opportunity to put some cricket references into the song at the end, so, uh, you know, there's that. Somewhere, however, in those ethereal Elysian playing fields of the great beyond, Mr. H.D. Dicky Bird, the only cricket umpire whose name I have ever known, has seen that the light is fading and has called stumps. So Arkham and I had best push off for another week. And is there honey still for tea? I very much doubt it. I'm a vegan and Arkham is, well, you know, a dog. Uh, a dog who I might add once shat splendidly and wetly right in the middle of a cricket pitch in the middle of a game uh, there's not really any moral lesson to be learnt from that little tale but uh, it's just that I can never think of cricket without the memory of him doing so provoking a wry smile upon my time weathered but still devastatingly handsome face before we toddle, however, the usual formalities must be attended to. All this is merely the opinion of one man and his dog and should be used for entertainment purposes only. If you like Discontent Provider, and who the hell wouldn't, uh, don't forget to subscribe to it at your favourite podcast vendor, nor to share it with as many of your friends as you feel might be able to stomach it on a regular basis. Feel free to follow us uh, on Twitter. We're called Discontent Provider, astoundingly. And you can tweet at Foxy and Arkham. Uh, should you feel too repulsed by the mephitic stench of virtual idiocy on social media, and who could blame you for that, uh, you can uh, correspond with us privately by the electronic mail at discontentprovider at gmx.co.uk. And with that, from myself, the Silver Fox, and Arkham, the Black and White Dog, cheerio. Cheerio. 
Play up, play up and play the game No matter who you are, the rules are always the same So strap on your pads and remember to wield the straight bat the wicket's like a shirt front, it's a beautiful day There's an umpire on hand to ensure fair play He's wise and he's sharp-eyed, so you don't need to worry about that You might hit a boundary or get out for a duck It's an alchemic mix of skill, physics and luck All you have to do is face what happens with a gracious grin no matter what happens, the crowd's on your side It's a gentleman's game, it's not sporting homicide Win or lose, it doesn't matter, come tea time, the game's the thing Well, that's what we're all told, but you've got no fucking chance Sportsmanship, you must be kidding, everybody looks askance At an amateur who doesn't understand how the game is played Conniving and cheating, you can bet they're all doing it The bowler's been nobbled by a gambling syndicate The umpire's on a bone for every favourable decision made You might be a Corinthian who could get to the top But if you favour some of it, my friend, then you're gonna be a flop Fairness is a fallacy and nobody gives a tin shit Every triumph, every score, every round of applause Is pre-arranged in smoky rooms behind closed doors Only those who play the real game will ever be a surefire hit But you've got to keep it quiet, you can say it out loud Don't disturb the gently dozing cats and kittens in the crowd They're here for entertainment, the illusion of a good day sport They're happy and contented cause they've all been told That everything is governed by a strict moral code They accept that without evidence or giving it a moment's thought They'd rather not consider just how great big businesses have turned Great Britain into the sticky wicket that it is. They think the field is level, they believe everybody plays fair. Lions that led by donkeys know they're led by big alliance. Who are as ruthless as they're truthless as they're selling and they're buying. And aided and abetted by cunt who know what's happening but just don't really care.